the simplest commercial baking resource. Brought to you by Bakerpedia and hosted by Mark Florka. With 45 years of industry experience, Mark knows the ins and outs of baking. He is Bakerpedia's community forum manager and baking instructor. He's here to share knowledge and help you grow connections. You're listening to the Baked In Science podcast. Welcome to another episode of Baked In Science. Today, I have the privilege of speaking with Miss Claudia Carter, who has her Master of Science in Cereal Sciences and is currently the Executive Director of the California Wheat Commission. She's got some interesting stuff going on, so please give it a listen and let us know your thoughts on this. We think it's really exciting. You've been doing a lot of different things. I, I keep noticing stuff that you've been putting on uh, LinkedIn. It's really exciting to to see the 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 thing that you've been doing with the high school kids. Right? How long have you been with the uh, the wheat board? So since 2014, um, I came here as the lab director. Uh, we're the only wheat commission, uh, state wheat commission that have a quality lab on site. So they hired me, Janice Cooper, at that time to be the lab director to do all the quality testing. Um, and then I became the executive director in 2016 when Janice left to the Wheat Marketing Center. Oh, oh! so you're connected to the Wheat Marketing Center as well. Yeah, Janice Cooper, she used to work here and she was the one who hired me when I was, you know, when she was the executive director. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I, of course, I know um, her and I know Jane Bach and I know now uh, they have someone who now I'm running a blank. Oh, Andrew, who used to be a colleague, like we used to be students together. So, yeah, I feel, yeah, we have a good connection. We have done training there. Um, yeah. So it's been yeah, it's been a good sometimes collaboration with different projects, U.S. with projects as well. And so the. Um The, the commission, is it does it function like a board in terms of marketing the wheat as well? Yeah, yeah, the same. Yeah, we are funded by Greek wheat growers. And then, um, you know, we uh, support uh, research at UC Davis. So we, um, we have been funding wheat research at UC Davis since we, were, um, we started. Um, and then that's part of the wheat breeding program. And then also the, um, the extension program that we fund through that research money and then the market development and the outreach and all of that, those kind of things are different activities that we do throughout the year. Uh, we used to do, of course, more of that before pandemic, uh, but then like traveling for meetings, conferences mm-hmm. and things like that, and um, visiting um, customers uh, internationally and also here domestically. And so I, one of the things I, I, I admire about, um, you know, when I see your, your posts on LinkedIn is that you're, you're really mm-hmm. passionate about the industry and, uh, you know, you're, you're passionate about the, the, the wheat commission and you're passionate about baking. And um, how, how did you develop, how did this come about for you? Um, well, I, you know, I have grown in Ecuador cooking mainly and baking more like desserts than actually bread, our traditional Bread baking in Ecuador is not as much like home baking. So, um, but then I grew up cooking and mm-hmm. I grew up around food, but definitely I've been passionate about the, the food science 
because that's where I study and that's what I wanted to do. And then, of course, working with Dr. Frank Manti up in North Dakota when I did my master's, I definitely developed more of a passion for understanding the quality of wheat, more like very specifically to understanding like, oh, there are varieties of wheat and not all, you know, wheat are different. And, mm-hmm. and working with him definitely, definitely um, got me to be more excited about something that I had no idea that existed before because I, I ran the technique as a technician. I ran the Durham with quality program when I was there. And then I did my master's with him. So I got, I was exposed to that world. Um, but then when I came here is when I definitely, um, I'm working more, you know, kind of like more, uh, with the details of the wheat that is grown in California and understanding how different the wheat that is grown in California is, it really, got me thinking like we have a very unique product and we got to sell it the way it is because, you know, you know, it, it actually makes tortillas have higher absorption. It helps the pasta being better. Um, and then, then, you know, things have changed in the market, how California is still being the biggest million state by capacity. The people who used to be here as part of the quality assurance managers for the mills had either retire or, you know, unfortunately pass away. The the kind of the the love or the the understanding of California quality and what brought to the table to the mills was lost. So when my job became mm-hmm. and where I kind of like developed that passion for marketing was like it's it's like anything, like you you know your product, you believe in it, and then you sell it or try to sell it, right? It's 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 not really hard to do when when you're selling is actually legit, it's true, it's good. It's not like you're mine. So yeah, and then that was when I started being more involved in communicating to the mills, like, and basically re-educating them because a lot of them, as I say, people who used to buy and used to ask the traders and say, I want California wheat because I need it at 20, 30% of my blend, they had been gone. So that re-educating to some of them, to some of the people that the new quality uh, managers that came in, you know, has been an, an interesting task. But at the end of the day, the problem became that I started understanding how the traders are not in California, right? And the quality people here in California at the mills, there was a miscommunication. And that's when I started realizing how disconnected in general, um, you know, we have even within the same companies where, you know, the, the quality assurance managers will want something yet they might be getting slightly something different and they had to figure things out that disconnection. I thought, what, what in the world? Like, why don't you just, but then of course I understood more about this was all through my naive, you know, going into a, a, a job here as executive director. I had no idea what I was doing at first. And then, kind of asking the why I always was like, so why do you guys do this? And then the, the, you know, understanding that it's, it's basically price. It's all about price. Unfortunately, you know, you know that the mills have very um, low margins and they need to make money somehow. Right. So um, understanding that it became, okay. You know, it almost is one of those, like, what are the things that you can help modified and changed and kind of like have an impact on industry where things that are so fixed and said 
that there's nothing that's going to change. So it's out of my control. So that side of the equation mm-hmm. where I was trying to get more California weed into that on, into their blend was almost like a really a hard job to do if I wanted to do it. So what I shift my like my mindset to, well, what about working with smaller mills? What about working with the local movement? And I have been doing that since I realized that the bigger mills wouldn't really change their mindset of how they're operating. Um, and then I start, I, I, yeah. whereas mm-hmm. the smaller mills, because they're starting to realize and they have no, a lot of them don't really have a good understanding of weak quality. So my job became to educate them and try to say, why do you want to use this variety or California weed in your blend with whatever else you get? And of course, the whole ring came into that equation. Uh, definitely, you know, understanding like what are the benefits of whole grains, nutritionally speaking. And that that whole movement, I, I, in a sense of of this this towards transition, this transition, or, or the, in marketing of artisanal in general, has been growing considerably. Uh, and I think the pandemic has been part of that as people have done a lot of baking at home and, and things like that too. Uh, and, and it really opens up a lot of opportunities for these smaller mills to to be artisanal mills and specialize in, in, in things like that. I find it interesting in some of the, uh, I guess, indirect parallels, I uh, mean, for myself, I mean, I, I uh, my, my chef, um, instilled a sense of of quality and pride in in me when I trained and and where some of my passion got ignited you know again is similar to you as like one person um is when I got sent on a a training course and I I met Dr. Carl Hosney who was doing the training and um the uh, the things his passion about um wheat grains and and the the science behind it all that is what sort of ignited me long ago and um and so now you're being that ignition spark um so you're you're doing something really special with with high school kids locally that actually started with um we're doing it more with elementary actually than high school so there are different Mm -hmm. programs that are running the wheat program but i really started with the local school here uh dingo elementary and there were fifth, sixth graders that did that for the first uh, couple of years. Um, and then, you know, it was to me, it's always so interesting when I bring not only the kids, but I bring the adults. Like I will tell you, they become little children when they come to our lab and they see all the machines and they see how things work and they see how things, how the pasta is made, how the bread is made. To me, it it really, that's another part what you how you describe igniting the passion is I started realizing it's like it's not only the children who are being excited it's actually the adults that have no idea how these things are made so anyways but that was yeah started with elementary children uh, back in 2018 where we had our first crop and then we brought a whole set of uh, like children to to the lab but my whole goal was when I was growing up I had science fairs so I went to those science fairs and I still remember like the things that I saw that actually I'd say I want to know how to how to uh, process food um, so I want basically same type of experience to these children so what we did is we assigned stations so they run the mill so that was one station 
We had them at the, at the station of the alveograph. So they actually ran the alveograph. Uh, they ran the glutomatic and then wow. they ran the farinograph and the Foley number machine. Um, and then, then after that, they were at the making, we have a pasta extruder. So they were extruding pasta and then they were making bread and tortillas. So we rotated them, you know, it worked out really, really well. So then we had supervision, you know, adults and, and our lab manager was their lab assistant. So yeah, that was something that we did. And we we would have continued, but then of course the pandemic came and then we did a virtual one. And we hope to do this with the next year class that they're growing the grains. So, and, and you've, you've also planted wheat with them that they're going to cultivate and, and, and harvest? Yeah, so that year, the first year, it was because one of the volunteers at the, the, the school, he used to be a CPA. So he used to work with farmers and help them in like fertilizers and pesticides, what to use. And they, he used to like advise them. So uh -huh. anyway, so he's the one who volunteered there and say, hey, why don't we grow wheat? And then so he started growing wheat, but they didn't know what to do with it. And that's when they came asking us, like, do you want to help us? What can we do with these? So, yeah, so the whole program is that they grow the wheat. Uh, we go there, we harvest it with them by hand. So we use sickles and then we use a thresher and then we get the grain. Usually we get about 80, 80 to 100 pounds of grain from that plot that they have. And then we bring it here and then that's when they process it. So they can kind of see the, the fruit of wow. hard work, you know. That is absolutely fantastic. Um, that is incredible. And, uh, in, in my time, when I, I worked with ADM, uh, we had a VP who, um, you know, really wanted to to help educate the children as well. We we were fortunate. We had a uh, elementary school right next door to our building, and we had a big empty patch of grass and things. So um, he planted uh, potatoes and uh, pumpkins and all kinds of things to to have with the children so that they could see it, it grow and, and harvest it and, and things like that to understand that food comes out of the ground because even though we're in a community where we're completely surrounded by mm -hmm. cornfields and soybean fields, uh, the, the inner cities, uh, children, they really just have no sense of, uh, agriculture in that sense and where food is coming from to them. It, it comes from McDonald's mm -hmm. and the freezer and the grocery store. Right. <laughs> um, and this, this is just incredible. Was it hard getting, support for this i mean are you do you is this is something you took on yourself to do and with the blessing of your your superiors or, or things like that or, or did did you have to fight for support and and how how willing was the school to to do or did the school even come to you to ask for information no thankfully what happened was that the people who came asking for help they are part of a nonprofit organization called uh the yolo farm to fork and so they're local and they basically, this is what they do. This is their whole job is um, mm -hmm. planting gardens and growing the gardens and supporting the schools and helping them, you know, seeing the whole process. So when I came in, they were already kind of part of that equation. So that was not hard. It was like, we kind of added to that to support them to finish the job. That's basically what happened. Um, now, I do know based on their communication and now because I got the grant from CDFA where I am doing the job for two schools, so I don't have Yolo Farm to Fork as intervening right between, then I'm the one doing all this work with the schools. 
you know, thankfully, all the people who have been part of the school have been very open. So what the schools, what I've learned, they don't want you to dump a bunch of extra work to them, like the teachers, the food service managers. What they need is the support they need to having you present, even if it's through someone that is there that you have assigned to be there. So how we do it is that I have an intern who is amazing from Cal Poly. He's a ex student uh, there, and he's the one who is kind of my bridge, and he is the one who uh, helps me like being in connection with the teachers, with the food service managers. Uh, all the holistics and like, okay, for example, right now we're running really late on planting a, a plot because we have some issues. So he's the one who needs to go and buy a tiller and, and all of that. So that's basically how you have to go about when you work with schools. There are instances where the superintendent or the, you know, the principals might not definitely understand or you just have to do a lot more work to communicate and educate them what you're doing and what the purpose is. I know also some schools have maintenance managers that have been kind of like, oh, this is going to be a mess. I have to take care of it. At the end of the day, what what you have to be really good at with this kind of project is, uh, you know, just social skills. Like you have to You have to be there. You have to talk. You have to, you know, make sure people likes you and likes the idea that what you're doing. That's bottom Mm -hmm. line what it is. Um, And that also communicate to them like this is not you're not you're not doing it for yourself. You're not like we're not gaining anything. All what we're trying to do is for the kids. So once they figure that out, which I have had to do in different ways, um, it's, it's then honestly, it's, it's pretty easy after that. I mean, there's still things that you have to work on, but it's always that kind of personal connections that you have to create. And, um, now my board, no, my board has been very supportive. I honestly, thankfully, I don't have a board that are, um, you know, micromanaging everything I do. They trust me. And then they, you know, yeah. I, I, I say, I also with, with a board, when you have, you're part of a board, you have to you know, tell them the why, like, why is this important and how is this benefiting you as, as an industry? So I have said that all the Mm -hmm. time, like, okay, this assignment I'm doing, this is what's going to happen. And this is the reason why it's a win-win because we are educating children and we're um, making sure that they grow up loving eating bread or tortillas or something that is flour-based. And then the other component is like, I'm bringing money, especially through the grants, you know, I'm bringing more money for, you know, doing these things that we don't really have. So it's a tough brain. Yeah. And and I've been involved on so many different STEM initiatives and, and things. And um, every in the end, every time when it comes down to discussing, you know, like how to get um, more people involved in ag sciences, food science and things like that is you got to start in the schools. You got to start, you know, at the very latest in high school, elementary school is where really, you know, to pardon the pun, plant the seed, right? Really, that's where you you start to get them inspired. It's not that they have to make a career decision when they're nine years old, but it's it's when they start to find themselves what they're interested in, and um, and that helps guide yeah. them and and stuff. And and I've been fortunate to to mentor 
a young man through Big Brothers Big Sisters and and could see that with with him as well the same same idea this has been incredible whether you're part of something like a wheat commission or a baker or anything else you can support the industry by just going to your local schools and um, see what they need and how you can support them and um, and that can really go a long long way and I could see like you're saying they they have to like you you have a very um, <laughs> sociable personality I mean it even comes through on on your posts and stuff that you're you're somebody kind of like oh yeah she is neat I, you know I want her to be my friend I'm sure you bring that to the to the whole thing and uh, it, it helps grow yeah. that relationship and stuff. Well, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate your time and coming on. Uh, like I said, Dr. Lin saw your your post and conversed with you and really encouraged me to, uh, you got to talk to her, you got you to get her. <laughs> so, so this has been fantastic. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Mark. It was nice to meet you as well. That's it for another episode of Baked in Science. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did because I thought it was phenomenally interesting and I'm just so excited about everything that Claudia is accomplishing and hope I can get out to California and visit her and her lab and the kiddos and see it all firsthand. It just seems so cool. Please let us know your thoughts on the subject and what else you'd like to hear about. Enjoy and have a good day. This is Mark Florka, your Baked and Science podcast host. See you next time.